Hi, everybody. Welcome to Classical Musicians Roundtable. Today is a really exciting day because when we're recording this, it's our official launch day for the website. So it's kind of cool that I get to do an interview here with Oxshot. But by now, the time that you're watching it, you will have already subscribed to our website and liked our Facebook page. So you'll be good to go. I'm super excited to welcome to the table Akshat. He is a tuba player, freelance musician in the Chicago area, and a teacher with the Merritt School of Music. Akshat, thank you so much for agreeing to do this with us today. Thanks for having me. Of course. So what are you doing during this ridiculously crazy time to cope? both musically and non-musically? I definitely need a lot of coffee. I've been drinking <laughs> a lot of coffee. Yeah. Um, with all this time, I think musicians get to focus on things they normally wouldn't get to. So I'm taking, I'm kind of taking the time and I'm doing it slowly. I'm not like, I'm not trying to be this productive workout horse over here, but um, at least try to get into a little bit of jazz again, or at least try to get into a little bit of like funk because I was starting to do some some funk, funk band gigs. And like, That's awesome. We just got the sousaphone and I just, you know, I just played my first Mardi Gras and it was amazing. And I was <laughs> really looking forward to maybe trying to get some, get some more sousaphone gigs and, uh, and like focusing on fundamentals and, and focusing on stuff that I, I normally just don't have time to week to week. Absolutely. Um, as far as non-musically, like I've been getting into video games a lot. I've been kind of getting back into the swing of things and, I'm cooking and, and, and trying my hand out at baking a little bit. Nice. Catching up with family and friends and, of course, Netflix. Uh, so. Our savior during this time. <laughs> Absolutely. So have you kept up a daily routine at all during this time? Uh, more or less. I think it, I didn't really try to set up a routine until, like, maybe the third week. And it's, even then, it's really not really a routine. It's like get up around the same time go to sleep around the same time, you know, give or take an hour. Uh, right. Or three. <laughs> or three. Uh, and I try to do like a daily routine on, on the instrument as much as I can, but True. You know, we'll, we'll get into it a little bit later, but some days I just don't have the motivation and, and other days, other days I have a lot of motivation and I get a lot of, a lot of work done, but it's just this like momentum that just ebbs and flows a little bit too much during this that I'm struggling <laughs> to deal with. But yeah, I have like a, I have a general routine that I, I try to follow. Great. What are you most looking forward to when we get back to our normal scheduled lives? Honestly, the first concert or the first rehearsal, that's going to be, I think that's going to be really amazing. Um, I think all musicians would agree with you on that one. I'm sure you can relate as a brass player in a small Chicago apartment, but I miss playing in a big room. I really do. Um, oh my gosh, yes. I, I was just thinking about that today as I was cooking and listening to a bunch of different symphonies. I was like, I want to get out of this small space and play one of these big symphonies in a big room and it will be yeah. great. <laughs> right, yeah, exactly. I mean, I even the other day I was trying to record in this room and all of a sudden some random things started vibrating. Because I don't know if you know about tubas, but tubas always make a room vibrate for some random reason. Well, of course. Well, you are the size of the room to begin right. with. Yeah, well, that <laughs> helps. Uh, but yeah, it's been tricky. It's been tricky being in a small space and not really getting to play full out all the time.
Yeah, for sure. I want to talk to you about your mental health in regards to being a freelancer. Of course, a lot of this will have to do with the pandemic, but uh, a lot of people watching are also freelancers. How much has this pandemic influenced your mental health as a freelancer specifically? It was late in the week and I was teaching on the Thursday, I think, and I got home and then everything was shut down. And all of a sudden, like- Just like that. It's just everything was, all of my work was immediately canceled. Yep. And I'm, you know, I'm teaching six days a week. I'm going all over the city and it's a very social life. And that was, that was kind of hard to, to navigate once all of a sudden you're just here. Thankfully, I have a roommate who's also a musician. And so we get, we, we've kind of been each other's bouncing board for ideas and, and mm. keeping each other sane and also, you know, just having fun. And that's kind of nice. I don't, I don't know how I would deal with this if I was like by myself. I can agree with you on that one. Did, would you say you were pretty low and, you know, maybe even feeling depressed when things were first getting canceled? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think not the first weekend, but that second weekend was probably the peak of the depression. Yeah. Looking, looking back at it, I think I was, I was definitely in, a, in like a version of shock. And yeah. And I mean, to be completely honest, I didn't leave my bedroom for like a weekend. It was that, it was, I just didn't, I had no energy, I had no motivation. I was like, why do I, like, that's real. It felt like the world was kind of closing down on me. And yeah. Then eventually, I think, you know, going back to that daily routine and having, having things to look forward to each day, that started to bring me out of that and give me back a, like a sense of normalcy. Um, yeah. There, there are definitely phases of coping with this, it seems like. Initial shock, maybe a little bit of, wow, I've never had this much free time, I get a little break. And then after like 20 minutes of having a break, you're like, uh, what am I going to do? How would you say you're coping with the financial reality of freelancing, both in this pandemic and then outside of this bizarre situation when we're in our, our normal lives? Well, thankfully, I'm very, very, I'm lucky that I got this job at Merit because yeah. they've, been able, they've been able to provide us um, a, a portion, but still a pretty good portion of our paycheck for the last two months and through into the summer. And even just a percentage is a huge yeah. deal right now, right? Yeah, it's, that's at least, you know, week to week, even pre, pre-pandemic, Merit was the organization I was working the most hours for. And so it's worked out, it's balanced out. Um, also, I just, I happened to get uh, a little bit of help from my parents right as everything started. And so I've been, I've, I've felt pretty stable. Um, and I know that a lot of people aren't in that boat. So I'm very lucky. Do you kind of feel like you really do have to have this mix of teaching and playing, at least for starting off? I think starting off, you kind of do have to have a mix. I've always, you know, going, going back to when I first started freelance gigs, even in my undergrad, you know, these are, they were like random farmer, farmer's market gigs or yeah. smaller church gigs. I was in the middle of Indiana. I was at, went to Ball State University. Um, and you I immediately found that I had to either balance teaching versus gigging or that the two were one. 
that I was doing like outreach visits with the brass quintet. Mm. And then even moving into grad school, like most of the gigs I was doing, they, as you're starting out, you can't always rely on them. You can't rely mm. on them consistently at least. And so you have to, you have to have some kind of fallback. And I know that, you know, a lot of my friends, when we were in school, they were either baristas or they they worked delivery or they worked, right. you know, whatever odd jobs they could. Personally did a lot of nannying. <laughs> yeah. I did a lot of backstage work and I did a bit of dishwashing. So, well, that's, that's good fun. <laughs> yeah, it was a good time. <laughs> in normal conditions, earlier you mentioned how like six days a week you're dri- driving all over the city. How does the freelancing schedule affect your mental health? It can be pretty exhausting. And I'm a new teacher. I'm, I'm, uh, this is my, I guess, starting my third year or fourth year in Chicago. Um, and I've only, you know, I started Merit last January and started really teaching full-time last fall. And wow. it's, you're right, you're fresh out of school and you're trying to freelance and you're trying to build this network of students and, but you're fresh out of school and that, the school bubble that we, that we all kind of get to enjoy for a while. Yeah. Um, it's really nice because you, you, everyone's kind of on the same page. The safety net. Right. And, and everyone's in the experience for about the same amount of time, right? Mm-hmm. The cycles of people moving through. And as soon as you join an organization or you start teaching, you know, you're working alongside people that have been there five, 10, 15, 20, even longer years. And so it's not the same, not to say that, you know, Merit and all these other organizations don't have great teachers with, and, a, and a great kind of social atmosphere. Sure. It's hard to break into that as a newbie. Because if I was, you know, fast forward 30 years, if I'm still teaching somewhere and some new guy gets hired, I, I don't really know how they're going to deal with it, right? I don't know. Right. They haven't really been vetted. Sure, they got the job, but like, they needed a little bit of time to simmer and get used to the vibe. And so that was tough transitioning from being out of, from being in school to out of school. And then all of a sudden being viewed as this, like, Oh, you're a professional now. Yeah. Like, no, I'm not. Six months ago, I didn't know what I was doing. And I was in a I don't know what I'm talking about. I don't know anything. <laughs> a lot, there's a lot of imposter syndrome to get over. So. A few days ago we were chatting and you, you mentioned something about it's, it's like quite the accomplishment to make, maybe three new friends in a year and I it's funny but it's real like that real. is real struggle yeah and especially if we're talking about quality relationships right right not just something that's like it's surface level and it's, it's amicable and professional but it doesn't have any depth to it so when Alex Laura and I were first planning for a classical musicians roundtable and kind of figuring out what this whole thing was going to be we met with Carl Evans from Hope for the Days organization, and he talks about mental health and suicide prevention for a living. So he kind of knows what he's talking about. But he shared with us this really great analogy, and forgive me, I'm going to read from a note card so I don't mess it up. But okay. So it's, it's really valuable. When you shake up a soda bottle, pressure builds. If you don't valve out the pressure, the bottle could explode. 
This is exactly how mental health care works, regardless of whether you have a diagnosis or not. Most people have to build tools for healing and managing daily stressors. Uh, to me, that's such an important message. Everyone has mental health, right? It's not just people. It's not just those of us that are on medication or have this, that, and the other label, right? Everyone has mental health. So I wanted to ask you, Akshat, how do you valve out or process stress of daily life? Uh, I would say pre-COVID, pre-pandemic. <laughs> right. Um, I was starting to get into like pool, like playing pool. There's a pool hall that's like up the road. Uh, it's like an eight minute walk from my apartment. And I was trying to go there like maybe once or twice a week and play a little. And that was a nice new skill to try to develop. And yeah. something I've always kind of loosely played, but I don't think up until, you know, three months ago, I hadn't ever bothered to really look up the rules or try to build any technique. It was just like something fun to do. So that was nice. Um, I definitely rely a lot on my friends and a lot of close close friends and family that allow me to vent and they've you know these relationships have built over long periods of time some of you know some of these friends I've had for 10 12 years now and so they've it's nice to talk to someone where they they know pretty much where you're coming from and they know what you've gone through and I don't really work out but I try to work out um you know how it is. Uh, Appreciate the honesty here at Classical Musicians Roundtable. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, I say I work out when, it, when I try to look impressive. I don't know. That's <laughs> <It's> really weird. <laughs> That's totally, I work out five days a week. It's like, yeah. be right through you. Well, well, lifting a tuba in itself is a workout, so I yeah. kind of... Exactly. It's no different than like lifting the, the can of beer or like the glass of wine. Yeah. Let's not go down that route. Though. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's a slippery slope. Yeah. Aside from playing pool, when you can't do that in your daily routine, if you're in rehearsal or whatever, how do you valve out that pressure? I, a long time ago, one of my teachers gave me a, a pretty good piece of advice because I I was like preparing for auditions and I, I used to tend to get very very angry in my practice sessions and he he kind of you know he sat me down and talked talked to me one day and, and suggested that when it gets to the point where I like I'm like seething or I just can't like there's like a fog or a haze and I, and I know that I recognize the haze but I can't get rid of it right the second I recognize it I need to walk away from that situation, even temporarily. Yeah. So, so whether it's like my hundredth take of, of Mahler one and I can't, they just can't get the first note right or the, the low notes right or whatever. And I'm, I'm about ready to just throw my tuba against the floor. I tend to walk out the room. I get a, gra I get a, a drink of water. I try to talk to like just any random person for two minutes. Yeah. Random conversation to remove myself from the mental baggage of depression. And I try I'm trying to do that nowadays too. I'm catching up with friends that I haven't talked to in a while and family that I haven't talked to in a while. And you know, just hearing someone else's situation, listening to someone else and trying to relate to them, trying to have a little bit of compassion and empathy 
that removes me from my own anxiety. That removes yeah. me from my own troubles, even for a second. And it gives me the mental space to come back to it later and have a fresh perspective. It sounds like your, your friend and family network has quite a bit to do with your support and your success. Yeah, absolutely. I, I don't think I would be where I am without the friends and, and mentors and family that I, uh, I've been given. So Yeah, we're, we're lucky to have them, that's for sure. A lot of us as freelancers, as musicians, as humans in general, have to deal with rejection quite a bit. Um, rather frequently in the music world. And it kind of forces us to build resilience for ourselves. Have you dealt with hopelessness? Leading question, I already know the answer. <laughs> and if so, how did you personally develop resilience? Uh, I've definitely experienced hopelessness countless times. Um, yeah. I think if you if you want to be an artist and you want to be really good, you're going to face a lot of it because you're putting your work out there and not everyone's going to like it. Not every and, and more often than not there's there's a handful of spots and in, in in my case usually only one spot that I'm even going for. And hundreds of applicants or you know. So the odds are stacked against you. But that doesn't mean that it's not achievable um there's two things about resilience one is you have to really want it you have to really want the thing you're going for mm -hmm. if you're if you're kind of half doing it or you're not doing your research and you're not prepared you know the handful of times that something like that's happened to me i felt it felt empty it felt like i didn't really earn this Right. And then it's really easy for imposter syndrome to sneak in. The other side of it is forgiveness. The forgiveness aspect, I think, has a lot to do with forgiving yourself. It's like, you know, you, you're, you're playing a concert and you miss a note. And if you're thinking about that, that note you missed the rest of the time, you're probably going to miss a lot of notes. But if you, if you forgive yourself and you're like, okay, that happened, I'm going to keep going, and I'm going to play my best, nine times out of ten, you're going to have a really good performance and you're going to feel proud of it walking off stage. Right. I think a lot of, a lot of resilience comes to like, also, I guess, bias and ego. Yeah. You know, applying for something and, and you really want it and you don't get it. And then you sit there for a month thinking, man, why did, why didn't I get this? I should have gotten it. Right. And that like, fine, feel that way. But if you, if you stick with it, you're, you're giving that situation power over you yeah. rather than, rather than just thinking, okay, this, anything I apply for, it's a snapshot, right? It's a, it's a temporary snapshot of my work, of who I am. And it has nothing that recording or that, you know, art piece of art or whatever you portfolio you're submitting. It's a snapshot. It's not, it's, it doesn't say everything about who you are. It's just a mere glimpse, yeah. Yeah, and and trying or, or letting your entire like being kind of uh, what's the word? Um, hang on that. Yeah, hang on that, and and be be 
persuaded by it and that's hard that's really hard and i i've been there i think most musicians have been there oh sure but yeah wow thank you for sharing that that i just learned something that was great <laughs> thank you Aksha, why did you agree to do this interview with us at Classical Musicians? Because I think I've always thought mental health was a really important thing to talk about. Uh, and growing up, I had enough people talk to me about it, but I think we need to do more. And, and society as a whole, and I think musicians as well, and artists have have been talking about it more and more in recent years, but it's not, when we're trying to, you know, when you're trying to affect change, it's not enough to just look at the other people doing it and be like, okay, cool. Yeah. We have to, we have to get in, we have to get in and, and actually participate in the conversation. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. I know I learned something and I hope all of you watching learned something too. And at the very least, I hope you were reminded that you are not alone and we're all in this together. Thank you so much for watching this interview. Again, thank you, Aksha. Really great to have you on here. And we'll this is amazing. Yeah. We'll see you all at the next interview. Thanks, everybody.